0: great to be part of a family, isn't it? A group of people who love each other and are there for each other. And this morning we're going to be looking at continuing the series that we started off uh, a couple of weeks ago. We looked at this compass of worship, that worship is the most powerful thing that we can do. It's even more powerful than prayer. And prayer is hugely powerful because what worship does, it lifts up God and it proclaims God's place in the whole scheme of things and when we lift him up he said he will draw all men to himself and so worship is really powerful in fact that's what angels do in heaven and when we are with Christ in eternity we will continue to worship him in who we are in how we live with each other and the words that we speak our whole life will be a worship and last time I preached we looked at the power of worship as it reflected in the ministry to God and uh then today, we're going to be looking at the power of worship as it's expressed through the ministry that we have for each other. And it was just great to hear Penfield say that his parents got the visa so that on the 23rd of this month, when he gets married, they can come. So, woo! Great stuff. Great stuff. And so uh, we really look forward to that, and I'm excited by that. Uh, uh, Penfield and Christine will be married, and that's. Uh, That's wonderful that the parents could be here. But there's great power in worship as we gather together in terms of what it does to promote ministry to each other. We were created that we might love one another and minister God's blessing to each other. So when we come to church, it's not so we can just sit in a seat. And it's exciting to see as God's spirit begins to move, someone like Pat will come out and say, I want to share this thing that will bless people. And then we can pray for uh, Pam as she's moving and pray that God will bless her. And then we can share a variety of different things over morning tea. It's not just talking about the weather, though it's great to talk about the weather. But we need to focus in upon what is God doing in your life that you can share with someone else this morning? What has God shown you in your Bible study? What has God done in your life to encourage you and build you up that you can express to someone else and encourage them and build them up? And so a few weeks ago, we looked at what is worship? And sometimes we can have a narrow view that says worship is what we do when we come here and we stand or we sit and we lift our hands, we sing songs, we kneel, we prostrate ourselves. Uh, We do all those things that are part of that idea of worship. But when we look at the Bible, the Bible tells us that worship is more than that. It's the offering to God from our heart, and that's really important, from our heart, through our words and our life, how we live. The truth about who God is and what he does. It's about God. It's not about us. And when we worship, we do it here. We do it at home. We do it at school, at university, at a workplace. Our whole life is meant to be a worship. In fact, when we look at the scriptures, it tells us that all of creation is to worship God. Psalm 19one four, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day after day, they continue to speak, and night after night, they declare knowledge. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth, and their words to all the world. All of creation was created to worship God. And we worship God in just being who God made us to be. Isn't that amazing? We don't even have to say anything or do anything. Just in who we are is an expression of worship. The stars in the heaven, when we look into the the sky, in the stars, your handiwork I see. How wonderful is that? We see something of the glory of God in all of creation. If we would take a moment and stop ourselves to look And I believe the only reason that the world doesn't see the glory of God in creation, it's not because it's not there. It's because there's a problem with our eyes. The scripture says Satan has blinded our eyes, has darkened our thinking, so that we can look at the whole world that's here in all of its amazing beauty and all of the incredible intricacy of the world. And and the world that can't see that says, yes, we just evolved from nothing. And so at some time in the past, there was absolutely nothing. And then all of a sudden, nothing exploded. I don't know how nothing explodes. Because when it's nothing, it's nothing. But God was there and he created out of his own heart. And, and creation reflects the beauty of God and the order of God. It's amazing when you look in Genesis. God created things to be appreciated for their beauty. And God said, it is good and it's very good. And God created things for their usefulness. Trees that have beautiful fruit on them. So all of creation is meant to display the glory of God. And worship is to be that which is reflective of God's character and nature. It's all about God. And so when we were created, we were created, as I read this morning in our direction statement, to be God's image bearers. Wherever we go, we carry around the image of God with us. And that's an important responsibility. That's our main purpose for being here, to reflect back to God the glory of himself. To be like a mirror that when God looks at us, he sees himself and he says, oh, that's my kid. Have you ever looked at your children? We look at our two beautiful daughters and we look at one of our daughters and we say, yep, there's the day, Gene." And we look at the other one, and say, yep, there's the marketaneous, Gene." One looks like my side, one looks like Glenis's side. There's a reflection of the image of who we are in our children. And God sees the same in us. So this morning we're going to be looking at the power of worship and how that reflects and infects the church so that we can become all God wants us to be. Worship transforms, and this, the two points I want to make this morning. Firstly, worship transforms the worshipper to be like the one worshipped. Whoever we worship, we become like them. And there's both a negative and a positive aspect. The negative aspect, Psalm 135 verses 15 to 18. And yes, that is an idol up there on that side. The idols of the nations are silver and gold. The work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. The things that we worship, we become like the thing that we worship. There's an interesting poem, I guess, by Erin Lamb, and it says this we are transformed by who and what we worship. Worship beauty, become vain. Worship money, become greedy. Worship pleasure become lustful worship approval become a people pleaser worship self become prideful only God is worthy of worship all idols fail and enslave how true that is what we worship we become like the very essence or nature of the thing we worship so if we worship money then we will become greedy and covetous. If we worship power, we will become dominating and abusive of people. But there's also a positive aspect to this. If we worship God, we become like God. When we see God, we become more like God. And there are a number of steps in this. Firstly, if we worship God, it's an act of drawing near to God. When we come together as a church and we worship him, God is enthroned on our praises. God moves in the midst of his people. He said he would be present. As we draw near to God, he draws near to us. James four eight: draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, why does God come near when we draw near? And really, when you look at that, you say, who's got the responsibility? As one preacher once said, If it feels like God has moved or God isn't present, guess who moved? It wasn't God because God says the responsibility is upon you and upon me to draw near to him. And he said he would draw near to us. And when we draw near to God, when we draw near to God, we find that God changes us. And sometimes that's a good enough reason to run screaming from the room We don't want to be changed. God is seeking those who worship him in spirit and truth. And when we draw near to God in worship, God comes and is enthroned on the praise of his people. He is near us when we come to be near him. And he changes us. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 to 14. You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. I don't know if you've ever played a game of hide and seek with your little children. It's different when they get a bit older, but when they're really tiny, you can actually hide so they can't find you. And so I remember that Glennis and I, or at least myself anyway, when I would hide, you'd leave some indication of where you were. It could be that your foot was stuck from out underneath the curtain so they'll see that you're there. And so they'll say, oh, I found you. Hide and seek. God is playing a game of hide and seek. And only those, according to Jeremiah, who seek him with their whole heart will find him. God doesn't just reveal himself to everyone. God is seeking those who are seeking him. And yes, God has given us the word. And God is open to be received by anyone that would draw near to him. But God is seeking those who would diligently seek him first. And say, yes, Lord, I want to draw near to you. As we worship God, it's the primary way that we can draw near to God. He draws near to us and then there's a transformation that takes place. And when we look at the scriptures, there's a number of powerful examples. But this morning, I just want to look at Glennis's favourite section of scripture, Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and he said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal he had taken with the tongs from off the altar in his hand. And he laid it on my mouth and he said, This has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. Now there are four amazing things in this section of scripture. Firstly, as we come and Isaiah finds himself and Moses was in a similar situation at the burning bush. We need to see God. There's something in the human heart. Moses said that, Lord, show me your face. I want to see you. I want to see God. I don't know about you, but I long to see God. I want to see what he's really like in all of his fullness. But I can't do that in this life because if he turned up in that way, I would just explode. And the scripture says no man can see God's face and live in this life. But there's a time coming when we will see him, according to Revelation, the last two chapters, face to face, We will stand before God and we will see His glory, how amazing it is. And so Isaiah sees God, and we can encounter God. We can see glimpses of God as we come to worship Him. And as we give from our heart and we offer up praise and thanksgiving, we begin to see God. And Isaiah saw God. And this was the beginning of a Process in his life. The second thing is that in the very presence of God, when Isaiah saw him, the second thing that happened is he saw himself as he really was. And that was a bit of a problem. He saw the beauty and the glory of God, but then straight away he said, Oh, wow, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And the more we see of the greatness and the glory of God, the more we will see how weak and broken and sinful we are. And if that's where it ends, boy, it's a pretty sad situation if it was left there. But it's not left there. As Isaiah moves through the process, he sees God and he sees himself And then God transforms him. A coal comes off the altar and touches his lips and he's made pure. His sins cleansed away. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, seeing the glory of the Lord with an unveiled face, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. And so when we come to worship, we should expect to encounter God, to see God. It could be that in the worship, God will put a thought in your head. You'll be convicted of sin. You'll be encouraged to pray for someone. Whatever it may be, there'll be something of God's message and communication to you and to me. And then again, we will see ourselves. God is doing something in us. And then he transforms us. And then finally, God gives an opportunity to serve him. We find at the very end, he sees God. He sees himself. God changes him, takes away his sin. And then God says, who will go for us? Now, I don't know what poor old Isaiah would have been feeling at that point. I imagine myself standing there before God. And theres you're the only one there apart from angels. And then God looks down from the throne and says, who will go? And so maybe you look around and say, is there somebody else here? And all the angels and all the hosts of heaven are looking at you because the question's directed at you and says, will you go? Will you be one that serves God? And so the only response that Isaiah can give is, here am I, send me. And maybe God was saying, wow, I thought you'd never ask. I thought you'd never ask. And so we find Isaiah is transformed in order that he might go forth to serve God like Abraham, in Genesis 12: pardon me, Genesis 12:2, who was blessed to be our blessing. And if God has blessed you today in some way, it could have been that God's touched you with a, a measure of healing in your life. It could be that God has given you a word that you need to do something then there will be some service that will flow out of that. There'll be somebody else that God will line up for you to bless them with the blessing that you have received. And so you might say, well, what's that got to do with serving the church? It seems to be all about God changing me. Well, our ministry, our service flows out of who we are as people. If we don't allow God to change us first then we have nothing to give to anybody else or nothing of any value. All we will minister is out of our own soulishness and our own weakness. It's when we allow God to change us as he transformed Isaiah, then, then we can go forth to be a blessing in the lives of others. Then we go with something to say to somebody that will bless them and encourage them. And so we move to my second point today. Transformed worshippers become ministers, become those who go forth to minister for God. And you know my belief on that. I believe all Christians are ministers. Either we're all ministers or we're all laity. The Bible has no place for distinction between the clergy and the laity. That's a heresy. I hope no one of any great stature hears that and comes after me. But uh, there's, there's no difference in the body of Christ. We're all priests under God. And so we're encouraged as we are transformed, we go forth to minister for God. And we see that God calls us by his spirit through established leadership in the church. And we see in Acts 13 too, as they worshipped. Now that's there for a purpose. As they worshipped, The Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. See, as we begin to worship, God starts to release the body into ministry. God starts to come to say, Betty, I've got this calling on your life, go for it. There's no place to hide. Wouldn't it be good to have a place to hide? There's no place to hide in the church when the spirit of God starts to move. We'll either get on board or we'll leave. That's what happens in the church. When God starts to be Lord of the church and we worship God in spirit and in truth, then the spirit begins to move and say, hey, there's Saul and Barnabas. I want you to set them aside to go and do the work I've called them to do. And maybe we do it in the modern world in a different way, but... It's wonderful when we're in the presence of God and God is being God in the church, when there's space and room for him to do what he wants to do. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Psalm 100 verse 4. When we come into his presence with thanksgiving and praise, we discover that God begins to set aside people for their calling in life. God begins to say, you need to go and minister to that person. You need to go and serve me in this way. And I don't know how many people I've heard over the years Their testimony has been as they were worshipping God. God said, I want you to go and be a missionary. I want you to go and be a missionary to the guy next door. (laughs) And sometimes I want you to go and be a missionary overseas. I want you to serve in this way. But God will touch our hearts in some way as part of his calling. Let us, Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. When we come in worship, we obtain mercy and grace that we can serve God, but we don't find it anywhere else. It's only at the throne of God as we come in worship and we live a life of worship. Paul said, God is always before me. And it was like Paul walked around with a vision of God before him on the throne all day long. And so he lived in that place where God could continue to use him. And then following on from that, God ministers to us or through us to the church by his spirit. When we're called to go and do something, we know that God doesn't just call us to go and do it, but he empowers us and he gifts us to go and do it. 1 Corinthians twelve seven. I find this verse really challenging. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for the common good. Everyone seems to cover everyone, doesn't it? There's sort of nobody left out in there. When the Spirit of God manifests himself in a, a gathering of God's people, when we worship together, we can believe that God will use us to bless someone else because the manifestation of the Spirit is for everyone. Now, I remember, and I, we were some friends in Townsville who they sent through a photo of their house sort of pretty much surrounded by water. And uh, I remember coming back from Townsville to a, uh, a conference down in Brisbane. And as the plane was flying over the terrain, I looked down and I saw this amazing river meandering through the land. It was like this huge snake. And the thought popped into my head, I wonder what determined the course of that river. And as I thought about that, I began to realise that the river took the path of least resistance. So the river will begin to flow and when there's tender soil, the river will move in that direction. When the river hits a hard place, a rock, it will go around that. And I believe that's how God's spirit flows in the midst of God's people. When the spirit of God begins to move, the spirit will come to our heart. If our heart is hard, God will go around us and look for a soft, tender heart. And when God finds a soft, tender heart, God will use that person to minister into the life of the church. And so our responsibility is to have a tender heart towards God when we worship. God, soften my heart. Make my heart tender towards you, that you can use me, God. For if we have a hard heart, or we have a heart that's closed to the Spirit of God, doing what the Spirit of God wants to do, then God will go around us. And God will go to someone else who has a soft, tender heart. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brothers and sisters, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification or building up. Isn't that interesting? How the early church ran a service is different to how we run services. When the early church came together, all the believers were together. All the believers were together. And God began to do things. And so someone would say, look, during the week, God showed me this from the scriptures. And someone else might say, well, God has given me an answer to prayer. And someone else would say, well, during the week, God inspired me to write this hymn. Isn't that amazing? That God has given creativity to his creatures. And so when we come together, maybe we'll do this one week. Maybe what we'll say is we won't have a sermon preached. We'll set aside 40 minutes and whatever happens in that 40 minutes depends on you. And so we'll say, what did God do in your life this week? Is there a verse of scripture you'd like to share? Is there an answer to prayer you'd like to share? Is there something God's done in you or put into your heart that you want to bless the body with? Now, that could be a really short time. You know, like one minute and we go out for morning tea. Or it could be a time that moves on as God would have it move on. But every one of us is responsible when we come to church. Before we come to church, every one of us should be praying, God, how can I serve you today? Is there a person I can pray with? Is there someone I can share a word with today? Every one of you has something to share Why should it be just one person who shares? What a limited blessing. What a bigger blessing when we all share. And this morning over morning tea, I want to invite the team up now as we close. This morning over morning tea, there's an opportunity for you to talk to someone at the table and to say to them this morning, God spoke to me in the service, in the worship, in the preaching, in the prayer. God has done this in my life during the week. Don't hold back the blessings that God has given to you. Let it flow through you. And as the blessing flows through you, you will discover people will be blessed and encouraged and built up and the body will grow to maturity. So this flows out of worship. As we worship our God, he changes me And he uses me to bring a blessing to others. As you worship God, he changes you and uses you to bring a blessing to others. Let's pray. Loving Father, your word is is so powerful. It, It really strikes us in the head and the heart. And God, forgive us for the times when we have just come to be blessed rather than to be blessed in order to be a blessing. And I pray for each and every one of us this week that as we worship you in our private times of devotion, that you will help us to see others that we can minister to, we can pray for, we can encourage by just being with them. Lord, help us to be those worshippers that worship in spirit and truth, the ones that you are truly seeking. And Lord, that in it and through it, you would have all of the glory and the honor and the praise in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.